As you stand in body or spirit, uh, let us go before God's word, quite likely as Jesus and the disciples would have, reciting what, of course, Jesus called the great commandment in Hebrew. They knew it as the Shema. If you'll follow after me in Hebrew, we'll join together in English. Shema Israel. Adonai Eloheinu. Adonai Ahad. Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord alone. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul, and with all your strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. Uh, We're in the 12th chapter of uh, Genesis uh, this morning, which uh, Audrey led the children into. Uh, Some of you uh, kindly say from time to time that uh, something that I've said has helped you. And I have to tell you now that in as much as anything I've said has helped you, know this, that I've always aimed for myself first in a sermon. And then if I happen to hit you by accident, uh, that's how it goes. So I was very intentional this morning in choosing a story about a man that's getting older and has been doing the same thing for a long time and God asked him to do something else. This is Abraham. The Lord had said to Abram, leave your country, your people, and your father's household, and go to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you I will curse, and all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. So Abram left as the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he set out from Haran. He took his wife Sarai, his nephew Lot, all the possessions they had accumulated, and the people they had acquired in Haran, and they set out for the land of Canaan, and they arrived there. Abram traveled through the land as far as the site of the great tree of Morah at Shechem, and at that time the Canaanites were in the land. The Lord appeared to Abram and said, To your offspring I will give this land. So he built an altar there to the Lord who had appeared to him. From there, he went on toward the hills east of Bethel and pitched his tent with Bethel on the west and I on the east. Then he built an altar to the Lord and called on the name of the Lord. Then Abram set out and continued toward the Negev. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Be seated, please. There's a story, uh, it's not in the Bible, a tradition about Abram. Uh, We know from the Bible that Abram's family uh, early on worshipped idols. So the story was that Abram's father actually made a living making uh, false gods. So one day his father was on a journey and so Abram took a big hammer and smashed all the false gods and idols that he could. But he heard his father returning earlier than expected. So then he took the hammer and stuck it in the hands of one of the false gods that was still standing. And so when his dad came and saw his workshop and all the idols he had to sell just destroyed, he said to his son, what happened here? And Abram said, well, I don't know. Apparently one of the idols just took the hammer and smashed all the other idols. And his father said to him, Abram, you know that's impossible. Those idols can't move or breathe. And Abram says to him, we are told, then why do you waste time making them and worshiping them? I love that story because it reminds me, first of all, of the great faithfulness of Abraham early on. But secondly, because quite frankly, we don't have any stories of Abram as a kid or as a young adult. We don't have any stories before he turns 75 years old. Some scholars call this 75 years of silence. 
And so what are we to make of that? That maybe Abram didn't do anything of note for 75 years or that didn't matter? Possibly. I think the Bible really more wants to make this point that Abram's life, as wonderful as it was, as fulfilling as it was, doesn't really begin until he answers the call that God gives him to go on this journey. And when he goes on this journey, that's when life really starts for him. I'm reminded of uh, John Claypool saying some years ago, he said that God is much less interested in who we've been than God is interested in who we may yet become. There's something about the movement forward uh, that interests God. And so this life on answering the call and going on a journey is so significant. I remember years ago, Scott and I were doing a dialogue sermon here in the sanctuary And so I asked him at the time, Scott, do you think journey is an appropriate metaphor for the biblical uh, faith? And he looked at me almost surprised. He said, a metaphor, journey is the metaphor for the biblical life of faith. Think about it here in Genesis 12. If you look at the first 11 chapters of Genesis, everybody's on the move. Adam and Eve have to leave the garden. Cain kind of has to go run for his life. Noah has to build the boat and and get out on the sea. And then the people who have built the Tower of Babel get scattered and go different directions. Everybody is on the move. And if you uh, think of it another way, which of the great heroes and heroines of the Bible didn't take a journey? Basically, they all did. We just finished Lent and Easter where uh, Easter Sunday, where Jesus takes a journey to Jerusalem. Uh, and then we will talk about Paul. And we look at Paul who goes on missionary journeys in the book of Acts. And, and even Peter uh, must travel. All the disciples basically end up leaving, most of them, Jerusalem. Life is about journey. And I think the Bible wants to tell us that our spiritual life, our life with God, is a journey. We're on the move. But I think it also wants to tell us this, that not only is life a journey, but there is life in the journey. That it is taking up and and moving where we are, metaphorically, whatever that movement looks like for you, that really makes you come alive. Look at what God promises to Abram. God promises seven blessings. I'll bless you, bless those who bless you. Anyway, make your name great. And anyway, God makes curse those who curse you seven different blessings. This is fascinating because the book of Genesis early on starts out with all sorts of curses that happen because Adam and Eve mess up in the Garden of Eden. And it's almost like Abram gets a chance to fix all of that. All these blessings will come on the journey. Um, and I love the way Audrey explained it to the children. It was like, it was like a, a butterfly. It was like um, a change, a metamorphosis, a freeing uh, of Abraham. Because uh, what we're going to meet Abraham right away, he starts on this journey. And early on, um, he ends up where he's supposed to end up. But there's a famine in the land. And so he's afraid he's going to starve. He can't trust God. He ends up in Egypt. He ends up in Egypt and he's afraid he can't trust God. Uh, the Egyptians. And so he tells his wife, tell them you're my sister. So they'll uh, leave you. um, They'll leave me alone. They won't try to kill me uh, to marry 
you. And, and yet, as we go on the journey, Abraham gets progressively more courageous and generous. When it comes to his nephew Lot, he gives his nephew Lot the best and most choice piece of land when they come upon it. When Lot gets captured by some raiders, five kings uh, that are plundering, Abraham will set out bravely and pursue those kings, the enemy, and bring his nephew back. You can uh, see this growth that happens in Abram on the journey. And so I was suggesting to one of my uh, colleagues this week talking about this passage that I wonder if we could say that to, to go is to grow. If the only way we're going to grow in our life is to get up and metaphorically move from uh, wherever we are. Another way to think of it is to move is to live. That life is in the moving. So we find Abram gets growth in this journey. We find Abram also in this journey gets something he wants more than anything else, a child. 75 years old, he and his wife have no children. But at the end of this journey, of course, Abram will have two children and the promised child, Isaac, will be born. And so he finds a new life, he finds growth, but he also, I think, in this journey finds the deepest fulfillment. You would have to go back a chapter to look uh, look at the story of Abram's family, but basically it says they set out one day and went to Canaan. They were heading for Canaan, but they never got there. They stopped at the end of chapter 11 in Haran. They started collecting possessions. They started getting wealthy. They started getting comfortable. And then God one day says, Abram, get up and go. And if you follow Abram's story, where on earth does he end up? But the place that he set out for so many years before. He ends up in Canaan. And it reminds me that in the journey, what happens is we end up in the place where we have belonged all along. Hebrew scholars will tell you that what I read to you this morning, leave your country, is not the best uh, translation of Genesis. The, The best translation is go, really go, or go, go for yourself. The verb form go gets repeated twice to Abraham. And so a lot of scholars say what God is saying is, look, if you get up and move, Abraham, This will be the best thing for you in your life. And so Abram finds a child and he finds a fulfillment of all of his dreams. He's a a changed person because he takes the journey. So you ready to sign up? Journeys are awesome. Well, not so fast. You also need to know this. Here's truth in advertising this morning. Journeys are extremely difficult. Whether your journey God is calling to you, your metaphorical journey is a journey in something, uh, questions of faith, or whether it's an illness or relationship struggle that you have to go through, wherever it is that you find your journey, it's going to be difficult. And so the first difficulty is Abram is told to get up and leave everything he knows. He's got to leave his land, his, um, his people, we're told, and then his father's household. So it goes from general to specific, but basically... Abram has to go and has to go to the unknown. God never tells them he's going to Abraham, to Canaan. God just says, Abraham, go and I'll, I'll show you where we're going to go. Uh, part of the difficulty of a journey is you never quite know where it's going to end up. A journey into the unknown can be a little troubling. I was thinking about that this week. I'm going to be moving in uh, a month or so to Austin. And uh, one of the things about San Antonio is there aren't many traffic jams, but when they are, I, I, I don't need ways to tell me how to get around. You know, I know the streets. I know the corners to cut. I, I can get where I want to go. But as best I can figure out, Austin is always a traffic jam. And I don't know the back ways. I, there's so much I don't know. When, when you change, you go into the 
unknown. Uh, the great uh, jo- and late and great Joseph Campbell, of course, who studied all sorts of uh, writings of uh, uh, myths for, um, for centuries, said this. He said, if you see your path step by step laid out before you, you can be pretty sure it's not your path. Because that's not how uh, humankind has, has experienced it. It's certainly not how the Bible portrays it. We don't see every step. We usually just see the next step. So part of the difficulty is we just don't know when we head out on the journey. Another part of the uh, difficulty is Abram is told, now there are Canaanites in the land. So in other words, the promised land is occupied when you get there. Uh, there will be obstacles and difficulties. And one of the things is whenever you set out on a journey, whenever you look toward making a change in your life, it will be difficult, not just for you, but for the people around you who don't want you to change or don't want their world to change or their situation to change. A friend of mine says, if you propose a, a change to your family or business or, all, or volunteer organization, and at least a third of the people don't oppose you in the change, then you really haven't suggested a change. Because there's something about the people around us and about ourselves that doesn't welcome change. Change is difficult. We like our routines. We like the way things are. We like, uh, we like knowing uh, things. And the fact of the matter is, a journey is about not knowing Think about Adam and Eve. Why did Adam get in trouble in the garden? One of them is because he wanted to eat of the tree of, anybody? Knowledge. He wanted to know. He didn't want to trust God anymore. He wanted to see all the steps laid out in front of them. So part of the difficulty of a journey is uh, you're not going to know and you're going to run into opposition just as Adam did when you try um, uh, when you tried to go the right, the right way. And then finally, I think journeys are difficult because God's journeys are rarely rushed. Uh, the metamorphosis that Audrey was talking about takes a long time for human beings. Uh, Abram goes almost 25 years before he has this promised child. It just took a while. Uh, Eugene Peterson talked about cl- um, climbing or hiking up a mountain with his son. And he said, my son raced past me. He wanted to get there first. He got there first. He took a picture of the view. He wrote his name on a rock there. And then he turned around and he was ready to go back home. He said he never appreciated the view. I think God intends that this, we're not going to be able to rush it. We're going to have to stop and look at the view along the way. The verb for Abraham in the last verse, verse 9, journeying is actually a picture in Hebrew, which means pick up stakes, plant them, pick them up, plant them, pick them up. In other words, you're always pitching your tent, picking up your tent, pitching your tent, picking up your tent. It's just going to take a while. But if you asked Abram this morning, was it worth it? I think he would say yes. And I think three of the blessings that he enjoyed, I think, are, are those that we can enjoy on a journey as well. The first one is this. If you're willing to take whatever journey God has for you, you learn that your home is not wherever you were, wherever you were settled, whether it was in your health, your belief system, your job, whatever it was that God may be changing, you learn if you take the journey that your home is not there, your home is in God. And because of that, you can be at home anywhere. Abram learned that it didn't matter whether he was in Ur of the Chaldees or Haran or in Canaan, but he had a home and his home was God. Another thing I think is that when you 
get ready and take the journey of change, you will find you'll be ready for whatever the next change is. You see, God asked Abram to leave three things, and it was pretty hard. Leave your land. They got more specific. Your people. And then it got even more specific. And your household. Years later, God is going to say in chapter 22 of Genesis, in one of the most difficult chapters in the Bible, he's going to tell Abraham to take his son. It gets more specific. Your only son. It gets more specific. The son you love. And go sacrifice him on a mountain. Now, of course, Abram doesn't have to do that. He finds out, of course, that God provides the sacrifice. But my, I would say to you, Abram would have never made the difficult journey in chapter 22 if he hadn't made the journey in chapter 12. There's something about our willingness to stay on the move and to trust God that prepares us for the next thing. Because I think the only constant in life is change. And so if your idea of life is get secure and hunker down where you are, you're going to miss a lot. And you're also going to find out you're assaulted a lot because life continues to change. But if you make the moves with God, you'll be ready for whatever the future holds. And then finally, and I think this is the most important thing, Abram's told, if you take this journey, you will bless all the world and all the world will be blessed by you. There's something about our willingness to get up and move and face whatever battle or journey God has in front of us that will inspire and lift the people who watch us on the journey. Um, there's a, a writer, uh, Ed Friedman, who years ago said this. He said, if you look at the Renaissance, which of course is one of the most uh, creative uh, periods in human history, all sorts of breakthroughs in arts and science, he said, I believe it was set up, he said, by the explorers. Now, I know there's a mixed verdict on Columbus and those like Columbus who were explorers, but let's set that aside for a moment and think about the courage it took to go where no one had gone before. You may recall the famous story, Columbus at one point sends word back to Spain and he says, we've sailed off the map. We are waiting further instruction. And, and so Friedman said, by that spirit of journey and things got opened in science and the arts and medicine and everything was broken open because one person or a number of persons had the courage to journey. And so Abram's journey turned out to be a blessing, not just for him, but for the whole world. Now, since I um, have only uh, one Sunday left, I'm not afraid of repeating myself. So let me repeat myself. One of my favorite stories is a story about a rabbi named Isaac who lived several centuries ago. He lived in Krakow, uh, Poland. And, but he kept having dreams every night that if he went to Prague and dug under a, a bridge in Prague, he would discover buried treasure. So finally, after several nights of this dream, Rabbi Isaac, who's a poor man but a, and a faithful man, just decides to do it. So he sets out one day and heads to Prague. He gets there under the bridge that he's seen in his dream, pulls his shovel out, starts to dig. And a policeman catches him and says, what are you doing? What are you doing? You you can't do this. And he said, well, look, God gave me a dream for more than a week in a row that if I would come from Poland here to Prague and I would dig under this bridge, I I would find buried treasure. And the policeman roughly and brusquely says to him, you stupid idiot. Every night I have a dream that in Krakow, Poland, in a rabbi's uh, backyard named Isaac, 
there's treasure buried in the backyard. Do you see me heading to Poland to dig in somebody's backyard? Idiot, go home. Isaac said, yes, sir. Took his shovel, went home, dug in his backyard, and what did he find? The treasure. That story is so often told to remind us that often the treasure we're looking for is is within our grasp. It is, in a sense, in our home. But I would also want to remind you of this, that the treasure is never discovered if he doesn't take the journey first. Journey is a way of life in the Bible, but journey is also the way in the Bible that we really come alive.